Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. But everywhere you go, you got to wait. You got to wait in line at the doctor's office. You wait in line at, at Walmart. You wait in line at HEB. You wait in line at the traffic, uh, the traffic uh, DMV. You wait in line. Life has to do a lot with waiting. Well, James has a lot to tell us about waiting. Open your Bibles at James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. As we continue in our study through the book of James, this is, I think, week 16. I think we got one more next week. All right, and then we're going to take a break from the book of James, all right? And then we're going to go through the book of Judges, all right? So uh, we got some great things uh, coming up, but today we're going to look at this passage in James under the heading, How to Develop Patience. How to Develop Patience. Look at, listen to what James says. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. James gives us uh, three illustrations in this passage. Six times in this passage, he uses the word patience or perseverance. And then he's going to give us three illustrations to explain that or help us understand that to show how we can be patient. He's going to tell us when to be patient, why to be patient, and how we are to be patient. Let's look at when we should be patient. We should be, when should we be patient? Uh, now James is not saying we have to be patient all the time. But he says there's three times specifically that we have to be patient. First, we ought to be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable. And he gives us as an illustration that of a farmer. He says a farmer's example. Look what he says in verse 7. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. James is saying, unless you have patience, don't be a farmer. If you have patience, then perhaps you could be a good farmer because a farmer has a lot of things he, he's waiting for. He's waiting to till the land. He's waiting to, to plant the seed. He's waiting to harvest the seed. He's waiting. And there's a lot of times he's just sitting around waiting. And there's some things that he can control. But there's a lot of things that the farmer cannot control. He cannot control the weather. He cannot control the rain. He cannot control the heat. He cannot control the economy. And he cannot control labor practices. He has no control over that, but he still has to wait in the midst of all those things. Now, these words probably pit, hit home to people in Palestine, those that were of, a, of an agricultural society, those farmers. As James was writing this letter to the churches, this probably hit them and said, yeah, we know what you're talking about, man, because we're farmers. We know how much time there is that we have to wait, and we spend all this time waiting. But have you noticed that a lot of times we try to control a situation 
while we're waiting. You ever notice that? You know how we try to control a situation? By worrying about it. We try to worry about it. We say, well, maybe if I just worry a little bit more, that will make this situation go away. So we try to, we try to worry about all these things. But James would tell us that it's stupid to worry. He said, if it's something that you can change, that's stupid. If you can change it, don't quit worrying about it. If it's something you cannot change, he says, then worry is useless. You can't change it anyway, so no amount of worrying is going to change the situation that you're in. So he says we should be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable. Second, we should be patient when people are unchangeable. You know, many times people will not change. And he uses as an example the prophets of the Old Testament. Look what he says in verse 10. Brothers or sisters, all right, church, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The prophets spoke in whose name? This is called participation. The prophets spoke in whose name? The name of the Lord. All right, the prophets spoke in the name of of the Lord. Now, I've thought about this. What was the duty of the prophets of the Old Testament? There was probably a lot, but there's three central things that I believe that the prophets of the Old Testament did. They helped people change, they called people back to God, and they called people to have a difference in their behavior. This is what they called them to do. They helped people change, call people back to God, and act different in their behavior. This is what they did. But, as usual, Many people would resist the prophets. They resist what they have to say. Did you know that people resist today? Did you know that? Did you know that people still resist preachers? They still resist teachers? That they still resist modern-day prophets? I heard, I heard somebody one time say, I don't mind change as long as I don't have to do anything different. People just resist change. You got anyone in your life like that? You got anyone in your life that they just refuse to change? No matter much, how much you teach them, no matter you, you pray for them, how much you encourage them, they just refuse to change. They're difficult to live with, aren't they? Boy, they're hard to live with. Quit looking at that person next to you, okay? All right. You know, we need patience. We need patience. These individuals that are hard to live with, you know, they only see their way. And, and, and so it's difficult to live with those people. The word patience that James uses here. It's a combination word, and it means it takes a long time for you to get hot. It means that you have a long fuse. You do not get overheated. Uh, James says if you want to have success in life, you got to learn to be patient. you got to learn to be patient with those people who are unchangeable. Unchangeable. Third, you got to be patient when problems are unexplainable. Look at the... Uh, Look at the last part of verse 11. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He goes back in the annals of time and he picks up the story of Job. You probably heard the story of Job. Job was the wealthiest man in the world at his time. Nobody had more wealth than Job. But in a matter of two days, Job lost everything. He lost his homes. He lost his barns. He lost all of his wealth. He lost all ten of his children. And to make matters worse, his wife began to curse him. She would say, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Now, that's what you call being supportive. That's, thank you, honey. Really need those encouraging words. You know, she's probably unchangeable to begin with. But 
He lost it all. He lost within a span of two days. He lost his, his finances, he lost his friends, and he lost his family. He went through a lot. And to make matters worse, Job didn't know why. You know, why has this happened to me? And for 37 chapters, God is silent when Job is talking. He's got some friends there, or so-called friends, that say, Job, is probably because you're a sinner. That's the reason this happened, because you, you don't really believe in God. And they went on and on about this. But for 37 chapters, God was saying, why me, Lord? Why me, Lord? Why me, Lord? And God was silent. Silent. And then finally, God spoke to Job in the midst of it. Listen, if there was anybody in life, if there's anybody in the world that had a right to say, why me, God? Why me? Job was the one. I've been faithful, God. I've been serving you faithfully. Why did this come upon me? Listen, my friends, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to burst your bubble. Okay, life is not fair. That's a true statement. Life is not fair, and nowhere in the Bible does God ever say it's going to be fair. Uh, he, he doesn't say that. Sometimes things happen, and they just don't make sense. We can't understand them. They are unexplainable. God doesn't say that, that we will understand. We may never understand why things happen the way they do. We may never grasp it. But in spite of everything that Job did not understand, Job maintained his faith in God. He never turned his back on God. He never cursed God. He kept his faith in God. He goes, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know, he says what he said, I know that my Redeemer liveth and I will see him someday. That's what Job said. So we should be patient. When circumstances are uncontrollable, when people are unchangeable, when problems are unexplainable. Second, why should we be patient? First, we should be patient because God is in control. Look at verse 8. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Three times in this little section of Scripture, James talks about the second coming of Jesus. He talks about the, the, the ultimate proof that God is in control is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Did you know the Bible talks more about His second coming than it does His first coming? Uh, it's, it's a reality. It's, it's going to happen. Here's what God is trying to say through, the, through James. He said, God is in control. God has it all planned out. You may not understand it, but God has it all planned out. Nothing catches God by surprise. He's not caught off guard by what's going on in your life, by the situations in your life. He's not caught off guard. I've said this a thousand times. God never has an aha moment. Never. Nothing that you are going through right now has caught God off guard. Nothing. And He's perfectly capable of dealing with it in His time. He's got it all planned out. God's purpose for your life is greater than any problem you are facing right now in your life, no matter what it is. God's purpose. There are no circumstances in your life that's out of control of God. Although I can't control everything that happens around me, and I'd like to. Wouldn't you like to control everything around you? I'd like to. I can't. And even though I can't control everything around me, guess what? God can God control it. He can do it. And in the midst of all of that, we ought to be patient. Job persevered. In the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of losing his fortune, his friends, and his family, God persevered. And he understood, someday I'll see through this. Sometimes I'll, 
I'll get through this. God's timing is always perfect. He's never late. He's always right on time. Some of you are going through a real delay right now. It's a real delay. But, but you need to understand, God's delay never stops His purpose. He's going, to, he's going to bring it to a conclusion at His time. Why? Because God is in control. Another reason we should be patient is because God rewards patience. Look at the first part of verse 11. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. Circle that word blessed. Isn't that a great word? Blessed. Yeah. We consider happy those who have persevered. I don't know, but do, do y'all feel happy when, you, when you're persevering? Anybody? Okay. I don't. But according to Scripture, I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be blessed, those who have persevered. See, the second half of Job's life was better than the first half of Job's life. Job didn't know it at the time, but God richly blessed him and bestowed blessings upon Job. It pays to be patient. When you're going through the trials and you're going through the tribulations and you're going through the temptations, it pays to be patient because your character grows. You learn to get along with people better. You, 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 you realize that you can be happier. You can reach your goals. And there's benefits you know, to being patient. Uh, there's benefits to this because you realize that you, you'll go get rewarded here. But the benefits go beyond getting rewarded here. As a matter of fact, there's benefits on the other side as well. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 through 12. He said this, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Blessed are you. <laughs> Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets, in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus and James both said, you are blessed. You are blessed when you're going through these things and God will reward our patience. Listen, when people put you down, don't, don't bite back. When people criticize you, be patient because we have a reward in heaven that's greater than anything that will happen here on earth. Now, our natural tendency, you know what it is, don't you? Our natural tendency is to get even. Our natural tendency is that we want to retaliate. We want to get revenge. When somebody criticizes us, what do we want to do? We want to criticize them. When somebody insults us, we want to insult them. Say, well, that will show them I'm a better insulter than they are. I can criticize with the best of them. And so we, we begin doing that. James says that's the opposite of patience. James says the next time you want to insult, the next time you want to criticize, the next time you want to put somebody down, James says, says think about this. Is it worth, is this revenge worth giving up the reward I'm going to experience in heaven? Is it worth it? Because listen, the reward you're going to experience in heaven will last a lot longer than any revenge you get today. It's going to last longer. So James says, we got to be patient. we got to be patient. Why should we be patient? We ought to be patient because God is working things out. He's working behind the scenes. We don't see Him working 
but he is working. Look at the first part of verse 11, or the, uh, down in the middle of verse 11. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought. You've seen what the Lord finally brought. When Job did not know what God was doing, God was working behind the scenes. God was looking for restoration. God was looking for healing. God was looking to bless Job's life. If you've been praying for God to bring healing in your life, and it doesn't seem like God is answering, be patient. God's working behind the scenes. Maybe you're asking God to fix a marriage. You're going to have a difficulty in your marriage. You keep praying. You keep being patient. God is working behind the scenes. Maybe you've got into a financial strap and a financial uh, problem in your life and you, you're praying, God, you've got to fix this. God is working behind the scenes to do things that right now you can't see. God is always at work even if we can't see Him working. Delay is not denial. You know, God delaying doesn't mean He's, he's not going to do it. We need to learn, learn the difference between no and not yet. But we want everything now, don't we? We want to give it to me now, God. God says, no, that's not good for you right now. I'm going to wait and give it to you later. Phyllis Brooks was a pastor in the uh, 19th century. And he one day was in his office. He was doing this. Walking back and forth. And a member of the church came and said, Pastor, what are you doing? What are you doing? He says, I'm in a hurry and God's not. You ever been like that? Yeah, I've been like that. God says, be patient because I'm working things out. Remember that in your life. God is working things out. He says, consider the farmer. Look at the farmer. Look at what he does. The farmer plants the seed. Then what does he do? He, while he's planted the seed, God is working in the hidden soil that you can't see to make that seed grow and sprout and become whatever crop it is. It's designed to be. Regardless of the problem, God is working in that problem, and you need to understand that. You need to understand that. Finally, what are we to do while we're waiting on God? I'm glad you asked that question. James says, consider these three illustrations, the farmer, the prophets, and Job, and look at what they did. Look at how they handled it. The first thing we need to understand, we are to wait expectantly. We are to expect a harvest. We are to expect it. It is inevitable. It is going to happen. What does the farmer do while he's waiting for that crop to grow? Is he binge-watching the, binge the walking dead or, or fear the dead or uh, orange is the new black, whatever they are today? Is he binge-watching? Is that what he's doing? Is he watching, I, I told the first service, is he watching old gun smoke reruns or uh, reruns of rawhide? Is that what he's doing? No, that's not what he's doing. You know, he's not sitting around doing nothing. He's preparing for the answer. He's getting ready for God to bring forth the harvest. And as we're waiting, as we're preparing, we demonstrate our expectation by our preparation We've got to be ready in advance for God to give the answer. The psalmist said this in Psalm 130, verse 5, I will wait upon the Lord. My soul waits, and His word I put my hope. 
Are you waiting on something? Are you waiting for God to bring illness, heal, healing to your illness? Are you waiting for God to fix that troubled marriage? Are you waiting for God to fix your finances? Are you waiting for God to, to, to save your children? Uh, do, do you really expect God to answer those prayers? Do you really expect it? Then James says, prove it to me. Show me how you're living your life. Show me what you're doing while you're waiting for me to answer the prayers. This is what James is trying to say. Remember, I told you, James is very practical. He says, demonstrate your faith by the way you're living. Demonstrate that you truly believe it. What did Jesus say? He said, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. According to your faith, it will be done unto you. What kind of faith do you have? He says, according to that faith, that's what I'm going to do in your life. If you expect God to do something in your life, James says, prove it to me. Prove it to me. You know, most of the time what I've discovered in, in my life, God wants to do something. He really does. But He's waiting on me. He, he's waiting on me to get my act together. God is saying, Bruce, why don't you just grow up? Bruce, why don't you grow up? You need to get more mature in your faith. You need to get stronger in, in your faith. Uh, you need to be doing some things right now, preparing yourself for what I'm going to do. You need to grow up. You need to do that. He's been wanting to give me an answer for a long time. You know what he says? He said, Bruce, you're such a spiritual pipsqueak. You couldn't handle it if I answered the prayer. That's what he says to me. But guess what, my friends? He says that to you individually, and he says it to the church. He says to the church, I want to bless you, Western Heights. I want to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. I want to do things that you've never seen. I want to accomplish things that you've never experienced in your life. He said, but you're not ready yet. Why? Because you're spiritual pipsqueaks. He said, you got to grow up in your faith. you got to grow up and you got to get serious about this thing we call Christianity because it's only when you get serious, when you show me that you're going to do it, that then I will open up heaven's storehouses and I will flood you with blessings. What's he going to do? I believe beyond a shadow of doubt that God wants to do something amazing with Western Heights Baptist Church. I believe that with all my heart. So what do we do? We pray for it, but we work diligently expecting God to answer that prayer. But He might be waiting on us. Have you ever thought about that? He says, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to do it. I remember reading a story a long time ago by Pastor Paul Yonggi Cho. It's now David Cho. Uh, I don't know. It's an illustration. I don't know what, what he's doing now, but he was pastor of the largest church in Seoul, Korea. And for years and years and years, he he met in a tent, in an old army tent. And he met in an army tent, and he said, God said, you know, I want you to build the biggest church in Seoul, Korea. He said, okay. Wow, biggest church in Seoul, Korea. So he said, okay. So he said, if I'm going to build the biggest church, I've got to go out and measure the biggest church in Seoul, Korea. So he went out and got a tape measure out and began measuring the biggest church. So he went out, and he built the largest church in Seoul, Korea. It would seat 5,000 people. And on that Sunday morning, he got up and preached to 100 people. And nobody came. Next Sunday, he preached to 100 people. He preached to 100 people. Nobody came. Nobody came. He said, God, I did what you told me to do, God. I built the largest church in Seoul, Korea, but nobody's coming. And God said, 
Paul, pray to those empty seats. Or preach to those empty seats. Preach to those empty seats. Preach as if they are there. And he began preaching to those empty seats. And slowly but surely, the church filled up once. It filled up twice. It filled up three times. It filled up four times. It filled up five times. It filled up six times. And it kept filling up every day. And it did become the largest church in the world as a congregation. And they kept building and building and building and building. But what was he doing? He was believing. He was believing that God was going to hear his prayers. And sometimes I don't think we do that in our individual lives and we don't do it in the life of the church. God's waiting for us. Listen, Jesus spent 30 years waiting. But he did more in three years than we'll do in a lifetime. Isaiah said it this way, those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. Those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. We are to wait expectantly. We are to wait quietly. This one's hard. Most of the time what we do while we're waiting, we run off at the mouth. We become irritated. We get tense. We fall under the pressure. James says there's two things we need to avoid. Look at verse 9. He said, don't grumble against each other. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Why are we grumbling? If we believe God is going to do something, why are we grumbling? A lot of people say, I don't mind the waiting if I can complain about it. Said, I don't mind waiting if I can gripe, if I can do those type of things. Do you, uh, you know, rise and whine in the morning, you know, instead of rise and shine, you wise and whine? You ever done that? Do you come home at night and you're dog tired? You ever done that? How many of you are dog tired when you, when you come home at night? You know what the problem is? It's because you growled all day. That's what the problem is. I remember reading a story about a woman who, her husband died. Her and her husband, they bickered and fought all the time. And so after he died, she put on her, her, her tombstone, put on his tombstone, rest in peace, rest in peace. Then they read the will. And she discovered that she left her, he left her, left her $5 and gave all of her money all of his money to the secretary. She went back out to the tombstone that said, you know, it said, you know, rest in peace, just till we meet again. <laughs> don't grumble. Don't gripe. Don't complain. Not only are you not supposed to grumble, look at verse 12. He said, above all, my brothers, do not swear. He's not talking about cursing there. He's talking about making an oath, making a, a pledge uh, making a promise. He's not prohibiting us making a, an oath in a court of law. He's talking about people that use their word to coerce God, to manipulate God, you know, or to persuade others, to manipulate others. Uh, you know how it works. God, if you will get me out of this situation, I will do blank. You fill in the blank. God, if you would just solve this problem for me, I'll do this. And you know what I'm talking about. You've done it before. We do it with God, and listen, we do it with individuals. Well, if, if, you'll, if you'll do this, this, and this, then I'll do this. God says, no, don't do that. James says, don't make these kind of pledges like that. I read about a man one time who was on an airplane. He's with his pastor, and they were going on a trip, and they got into turbulence 
And, a guy, and it looked like they, you know, they weren't going to make it. And the man hated flying in the first place. And he just said, God, if you'll get me out of this situation, I promise you I will give a tithe of all I have to, the, to you. Never say that when the preacher sitting next to you, okay? Never say that. And so, he's, and so uh, they, got, they made it back. And, and the preacher reminded the man, he goes, now, you know, you remember what you said? Yeah, yeah, I remember what I said. I know exactly what I said. He said, okay. So the pastor went back to the church. A week went by. Two weeks went by. Several months went by. And he didn't get the tithe check in the mail. So he called the man on the phone. <laughs> Can you believe a pastor would actually call? He called the man on the phone. He says, hey, I uh, haven't seen your tithe check come. He says, I've made a better deal with God. I told God that if I ever got on a plane again, I'd give him all my money. <laughs> the point is, guys, we try to manipulate God. We try to bribe him. And James says, don't do it. Don't do it. The fact is that we will swear to anything when we are in a difficult situation or we're dealing with difficult people. James says, don't do it. Our word is to be our bond. As followers of Jesus Christ, as disciples of Christ, as Christians, as believers, our yes is to be yes, our no is to be no. We represent Jesus on earth. We don't have to swear because our word is our bond. This is what James is saying in that. So we ought to wait expectantly. We wait quietly. Finally, we ought to wait confidently. Job never lost his confidence in God. He never believed that his God would solve his problem. He never lost track of it. The outlook is bad? Look up. If things around you don't look good, look up. Focus on God. The prophet Micah said it this way, I watch and hope for the Lord, I wait for God my Savior. My God will hear me. You know what hope is? Here it is. You ready? This is, this, is worth, this is worth the whole sermon right here. Hope. Holding on, praying expectantly. Holding on, praying expectantly. Do you have hope? Do you have hope? Are you holding on and praying expectantly? Are you going through a problem in your life that you can't explain? Are you hanging around some people that are unchangeable? Are there some circumstances in your life that are beyond your ability to control? How do you get by? How do you do it? God says, sit still. Just sit still. Don't get nervous. Don't get upset. Don't get uptight. Don't take matters in your own hands. David said it this way in Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Where do you need patience today? Is it an uncontrollable circumstance that you're going through? whatever that might be. Finances out of control. You can't do it. Is there an unchangeable person in your life that you can't fix? No matter what? Are you going through a, a, a problem that you can't understand? God says, be patient. Be patient. Trust me. And you'll get through it. You'll get through it.